Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Business Mindset in Minutes. I am your host, Nicole, and today I have a very special guest, which I'm very excited to dig into this topic with her before we get into it and I get asking a bunch of different questions. I'm going to go ahead and introduce Janita. So Janita helps women improve their sleep by reducing stress, anxiety, and other sleep destroyers within their lives. Her background lies in psychology, sleep sciences, wellness coaching, and she is certified as a CBTI clinician. Apart from being absolutely passionate about sleep, her biggest, di- her biggest reward is being able to help others and seeing the difference sleeping well can make in their lives. Janita, I am so happy to have you on the podcast today, and I'm so excited to dive into this topic with you. I think that uh, when it comes to business, sleep is a really key factor that is so easily overlooked, and I'm sure you can agree. So I am really excited to have you on today and to dive into all things sleep. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. I'm super excited to be here with you and just have a lovely chat about sleep and all things sleep. Um, And you are very right that when it comes to business, um, life can be so, I mean, not even just business, life overall can be so busy. And when you throw running your own business into the mix, sleep sometimes just take that back seat you know, where you just have to quickly finish this email or just do that or just, you know, do this and that. And you can find yourself just pushing sleep and just procrastinating it and, you know, all of those type of things. And at the end of the day, really, you know, sleep is supposed to be one of those non-negotiable kind of priorities in our lives because it will help you be more productive at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I'm super, super happy to be here with you and to just answer all the questions and just have a nice chat about sleep. Amazing. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Um, okay, so let's dive right into it. So how did this area of expertise find you? So very interesting. I get this question so often. Um, I think sleep is one of those things that, you know, it's not like when we're young, we kind of decide that, oh, I want to help people sleep one day, (laughs) you know, it's not like that. I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a hairdresser or whatever. I think the majority of us in this field, um, it finds us somewhere along the line. Um, And normally it happens because of something that happened in your life. So for me, it was more so um, looking back into my childhood, there was a lot of traumatic events that happened. My father passed away when I was very young and there was some, you know, loads of things that happened. And as a teenager, I struggled a lot with, with insomnia, obviously not all the time, but there were bouts of insomnia. Um, and not knowing how, what to do, how to handle and all of these type of things. I just thought that it was normal. It was natural. There's no one to talk to, you know, that type of thing. And this followed me right into adulthood after becoming a mother. Um, But because of everything that's happened in my life, I knew at a very young age, though, that what I wanted to do one day was to help people. So for me, um, I knew that it wasn't going to be a doctor. I didn't want to go into the medical field. But very, very early on, I decided that psychology was going to be my 
that's my direction because I want to help people. So that's what I did. After school, I studied psychology and I was extremely happy. Um, all the way, obviously, having my, my sleep disturbances, my sleep troubles and problems. And um, I think the major big one for me when I changed my direction into sleep was in 2016 when my youngest child was born and we just moved to a new country and it was extremely difficult um you know apart from culture shock i had this newborn baby and it was just no one was sleeping um and psychologically i took a massive hit um and I think my sleep got affected there the most than when it was ever, I mean, having a newborn, having to wake up every two to three hours, but then not being able to go back to sleep yourself. Um, and then the next day having to care for her and all of that as well. Uh, and that is basically when I decided that I need to look into sleep. And obviously I got some help myself and I really, really got interested in uh, you know, all of the research and all of that. So that is basically my turning point. It was 2016 when I decided, you know, that um, I can still help people, but I can do it in a different way. So not just overall, but really just focus on the sleep. So for the last couple of years, I've really focused on all of my research, all of my studies, all of my everything basically into sleep. And it's really become so important. Um, Needless to say, my sleep is now under control and it's fantastic to be <laughs> able to, um, you know, just sleep well and see the difference that it can make in my own life, but also the lives of the women that I help. So for me, it comes from a place of I've been there and I don't want you to be there anymore. Yeah. Wow. I, I love that. That is, that is such a great, um, a great purpose for what it is that you do. So I know in the bio, I mentioned that you are certified as a CBTI clinician. So I'm curious, yeah. what is that? How does that relate to what you do? And then I'm also curious, um, and this is kind of like a second part, I guess, of the question that how, what is, what does it look like when someone comes to work with you? Um, how is it kind of not structured, but what does it look like and how, do you start to help them with slowly improving their sleep? Is it, you know, you meet on a weekly basis or I'm kind of curious of how you've structured what you do to really get the most benefit for these women? Of course. So CBTI basically is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Um, so, you know, it is, it, it lies obviously in cognitive behavioral therapy, but it is specifically for insomnia. But the great thing about CBTI is that it can help other types of sleep disorders as well. Um, you know, so it really lies in things like um, looking at the relationship that you have with sleep and with your bed. Um, it look, it, you know, it, it doesn't just cover. So a lot of people, when we initially, when we think about improving your sleep, we think sleep hygiene. If you go to your doctor and you talk about not sleeping well, they will tell you sleep hygiene, stay off tablets, those type of things. And although sleep hygiene can be a fundamental part of it, but when you actually struggle with an, an, a very, you know, like a sleep disorder or such, or you really, really have sleep struggles, 
sleep hygiene just won't be enough to cover that because sleep hygiene really looks at your habits. It really looks at the things that you're doing. Are you drinking coffee too late? You know, are you not moving? Are you sedentary? All of those type of things. Is your room dark enough? But when you have a terrible relationship with sleep and your circadian rhythm, which is our internal body clock, might not be in sync. Um, or, you know, it also CBTI also looks at um, changing your thought processes because it is very difficult when you are in this situation where you struggle with sleep to not have negative thoughts around sleep or for sleep to come up in your thoughts quite often. So it might not be, um, you know, the, and the problem that a lot of people do is they try and suppress and ignore those feelings uh, where we shouldn't, because the more you try and suppress and ignore that, um, your subconscious will try and say, but this is important enough for you to try and suppress, so it's going to try and keep bringing it up. Um, you know, a lot of things that a lot of times that also happens is that, especially I find with women running their own business, is that we have this racing mind at, at night. So, you know, I also kind of help with, with that and that part to try and really give space for that during the day. Because we're suppressing all of this. And then when it's time to go to bed, our brain is like, right, now I'm going to bring out all of these things that you've suppressed during the day and that you didn't make time for. And now I'm going to throw you this worry list. Now I'm going to bring out all of these things. So CBTI is loads of different things. A lot of people that if you have heard of CBTI think that it's just about sleep restriction, which basically just means that if you are, you, you shouldn't be lying awake in bed. Um, you know, and if you are awake and you can't sleep, get out of bed. But that is a drop in the bucket when it comes to CBTI. And um, kind of to answer your question as well, what it looks like when people come, you know, to work with me, uh, I think it, it is really very much an individual journey as well, because what bothers you isn't necessarily the, the next person's problem. Um, and of course, also, a lot of times when I see people, they don't necessarily have a sleep disorder. They would like to just improve their sleep because they know that, you know, their sleep is, is not necessarily where it can be. So, yes, often it is just to help them maybe just to be that accountability to hold space for them and say, well, you know, did you switch off the laptop on time? You know, that type of thing. Um, just for them to get into that new habit of things and to improve their sleep. Whereas to the other side, also, you know, I, I do see people with sleep disorders as well. So just a bit of a disclaimer, I, I don't necessarily work with people with sleep apnea because you need medical intervention for that. But even then, CBTI can also help with, I would say, the behavioral part of it as well. So often when people come to me, they either need, um, I, I've got six to eight week programs that I will see them on a weekly basis and we will, you know, I will hold space and accountability and give the tips and the tricks and really walk the road and the journey with them. Other times people just need two consultations to be able to really just for, for someone to tell them, okay, but why don't you just change this or, you know, make a change there or this is an idea and really just give them that kind of game plan on where, or even just if your sleep is actually a problem, you know, some people don't even know what is actually normal for sleep. Is it, is it normal for me to feel tired in the afternoon or, you know, any of those type of things? So it really is an individual one. Uh, the best thing I would say is, you know, if you get in contact, then I will be able to then kind of 
look at the situation and know how to guide. So it will be anything from one to eight sessions, that type of. Okay, interesting. Um, it's funny as you say that you're saying like, as you just mentioned at the end there, is it normal? People come to you asking, is it normal, you know, to feel tired in the middle of the day? And as you said that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I would have so many small questions like that about, you know, my body and I'm sure everyone else would as well. Um, and so that's, that's funny that you mentioned that. And then it just brings up, you know, like a plethora of questions in my mind around sleep that I (laughs) wouldn't even think of and would just kind of be like, oh yeah, I guess that's like normal. That happens to everyone or you take a nap or, you know, whatever, but (laughs) you bring it up and I'm sure there's a lot more behind all of those small questions. So that's interesting that you bring that up. Yes. Yes. And I mean, I, I guess that's also why Uh, you know I've got a Facebook group and that's the thing that I give so much information there that to answer all of these small questions um, because you know I I also feel like if you just have a couple of small questions it's not something that you should be paying for it should be you should be able to get your answers and that's also why I do things like this (laughs) to spread the news so that I can answer those small questions so that at the end of the day you know is my sleep actually a problem or not? And is it something that I should actually be seeking help for or not? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so the link for that Facebook group, if you do want to join, you have any questions or anything like that, that's down below. If you do want to join her Facebook group. Um, Okay. So let's see now. So why is it important to sleep well? And how do you know if you're getting enough sleep? Great. Oh, I love questions. (laughs) All right. So um, let me just kind of break that down into two questions. So why is it important to sleep well? So I really love to use kind of analogies and to like this and that and um, kind of metaphors and things like that. I find I've got a very visual mind. So that's why I like to kind of just really explain things in a visual way. So if you think about a car, right? If you need to service a car, that car needs to be standing still. You cannot change tires and change oils and fan belts or whatever it is. Not that I know much about cars in that sense, but you cannot do any of this while the car is running. The car needs to be standing still and then you can do your work. And the same happens when we sleep. So our body and our brain needs to get serviced. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to go into all the medical jargon and all of those type of things. I like to keep things very, you know, just kind of uh, plain language that everybody can understand. Um, but, you know, it's, it really is your cell rejuvenation, um, your brain, all of those type of things. All the magic happens while we are sleeping. And in order for that to happen, you need to stand still right? So, and I mean, what also happens is your brain will basically, while you go into your sleep cycles, your brain will prioritize specific things first. So it will look at your cells, it will look at, you know, your health and those type of things first. And towards the end, uh, it will then look at things like your frontal lobe, where your decision making and, you know, the choices and the critical thinking and all of those type of things, emotional stability, all of those things. Um, and if you are not getting the adequate quantity and or quality of sleep, 
what will happen is your brain would have not had enough time to prioritize that part. So what happens tomorrow? You are not able to be as productive. You are not making the choices that you would have made. Um, you are responding differently towards things how you would have responded you know, previously. So although you know, those type of things happens last, they are important. It's just that you basically took that away from your, your body and your brain to be able to get serviced in that part. So, you know, this is majorly really focusing on the business part. You know, we have to be able to think on our feet. We, we make decisions every day uh, for our business, for ourselves, for our families. Uh, we have to kind of, the thing is that a lot of people are super busy, right? We can all be busy, but are you productive while you are being busy? And if you have not, you know, gotten that adequate amount and or quality of sleep, um, the productive part might not be so great and you will find yourself being busy all day, but you haven't actually achieved anything as such. So, I mean, in saying this, it is also very normal to have bad nights. It is extremely normal to have bad nights. It is impossible for all of us to sleep 100%, 100% of the time. So just to kind of throw that in there, if you are listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I had a bad light, night last night, so now I'm not, you know, um, it is normal to have bad nights, completely normal. So, um, and it's also normal to wake up during the night. It is. The question is just how quickly can you get back to sleep? Do you get up and just go to the bathroom or does it take you an hour? Are you missing that sleep? Um, so yeah, just, and then, you know, to, to kind of answer your second questions on, on, on how do I know if I'm getting enough? So there are two parts of this. So we have the quantity part that most people kind of know that you need around seven to nine hours of sleep. But this also depends on if you actually have a sleep disorder, because if you coming from only sleeping two hours a night and we can get you to sleep six hours, that is a massive difference. So, you know, if you're coming from this very, very poor sleep, then six hours might be completely, you know, we are happy about getting you to six hours. Um, but if you're coming from a point where you don't actually have a sleep disorder or you might be keeping yourself from sleeping, right? Um, then I would say if normal sleep will be seven to nine hours. It, it is an individual. I found my own sweet spot at around eight hours and 20 minutes, anything more. And I kind of feel like I'm dragging during the day. Um, anything less also, I, I can feel that, you know, so my sweet spot is around eight hours and 20 minutes personally. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, then looking, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Um, and then looking at the, the quality of sleep, I normally ask a couple of questions. So, um, because that's the thing, right? You can't really, um, quantity you can time, it's measurable. But quality, how do you measure that, right? So in order to, to, to kind of give yourself the answer that am I giving, getting enough quality of sleep is a couple of questions. Are you reading and rereading the same sentence over and over again? Do you find yourself doing that quite often during the day? then it probably means that that part of the brain didn't get enough sleep. So there wasn't, the quality wasn't there. Um, and that concentration, what isn't there as what it should be. Um, are you able to survive? And this is a big one that people normally, but please don't switch off the podcast after this. <laughs> people normally hate me for this. But are you able to get through the day or at least through the morning without that caffeine boost? 
So, but there is also, there's two parts of this. A lot of people actually drink the coffee in the morning out of habit because it's something we do. We get up, we drink the coffee and we get on with our day. So are you able to, to really function optimally in the morning without your caffeine? So give yourself three days and try it and see if you can, you know, maybe extend the coffee until 10 or 11 a.m. And see how you are functioning versus how you would have normally functioned. So, and then you would know if, if there is a massive difference, then you might be rely, relying on the caffeine boost, which means that you actually woke up sleep deprived and the caffeine is making you feel more normal. Whereas if you find yourself, you know, that there's not such a big difference, then you are probably not dependent on the caffeine, but it's more so just a habit hmm. in that sense. So, Yes, uh, you know, those are two kind of questions that you can really ask yourself, you know, and also, can you, can you get through the day without feeling that you will be able to get back to sleep by 11am? So, you know, it is normal to have an afternoon dip to really feel that I'm tired now, you know, but if you feel that dip by 11am already where I can nap at 11, then you're almost probably walking around underslept. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. That, that, um, so as you're saying that, that brings up, I was writing down a couple of questions because that brings up uh, some questions that I have. Um, so you were talking a lot about not getting enough sleep. Now I'm curious because I feel like sometimes this is my problem about oversleep. And you were also talking about, you know, how if you undersleep, then, you know, your brain might not get enough time to repair itself, repair your body, whatnot. Um, so what does that look like when you oversleep and is oversleep just as bad or dangerous um, as not getting enough sleep? So oversleeping as such, I wouldn't say that it's bad or dangerous, really. Um, but often what happens when we find ourselves oversleeping, it's because we underslept for a while and you are trying to kind of catch up on it. So, you know, we call it sleep debt in our world. You know, it kind of works like the more you swipe the card, the more debt it will, you know, accumulate. And it really depends on how much you've lost. To an extent, you can try and make up a little bit of sleep debt. But if it's hours and hours, so this is something that a lot of people do, right? They, they say, okay, well, I'm going to, during the week, only sleep five hours, and then I'll catch up on the weekend. But if you think about losing two hours of sleep for five days, are you really going to be able to catch up on 10 hours of sleep, plus get the sleep that you actually need to get for that night over the weekend? And this is where that, that hangover feeling or that blue Monday feeling can come in because you're going into the next week with a jet lagged feeling because you have not tried to catch up on sleep that you've lost during the week and you can only do it to an extent. Um, so oversleeping really is, if you find yourself doing this, especially over the weekend, I would say question how much you are prioritizing your sleep during the week and, you know, is, is this maybe just an after effect of actually being sleep deprived mm -hmm. and you are trying to kind of just catch up on it. So it's different for parents because it's, it's impossible for us to try and sleep in over the weekend. You know, I've got two kids, so um, 
I know that there will be some mommies listening to this as well. Um, but if you don't have that responsibility and you find yourself doing that, um, then really try and question that. It is better to rather just sleep that extra hour during the week and just have that happen consistently rather than trying to, to catch up on it. Because oversleeping, I think, really pinpoints to you're actually walking around underslept because you are not prioritizing it during the week. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. And then I know, like, I know some people, um, you know, can eat, can just sleep every day for let's say like nine or 10 or maybe even 11 hours. And so is that just, you know, their normal, their body just needs that much sleep or is it a factor of, okay, maybe you can sleep that long, but you don't need to sleep that long. A lot of times we also need to keep in mind that there are some medical conditions that require a little bit more sleep um, because our bodies are exhausted. So if if you have something like a chronic illness or, you know, there's an autoimmune, uh, autoimmune disease or something like that going on, sometimes this can cause lethargy or, you know, it can make you tired or sleepy or, you know, any of those type of things. So in that case, I would also, you know, if I have a client saying, but my problem is I sleep too much, what can I do? I would look into the medical field around that as well and see if there might be any of those reasons. My mother is one of them that can sleep 11 hours. And I'm like, you're sleeping your life away, you know? But, you know, she's got some medical things going on and sleep is very important. So if you're, and also I find a lot of times that if you do find yourself in a situation where you can sleep for 10 hours a night, uh, especially if you are young and you're still fit and there's no other problem, Overall, this will be a temporary thing. You will find yourself going through that phase where it might just mean that your body might be fighting something or something is going on and you just need for that time. So if it's not affecting you, I wouldn't scratch where it doesn't itch, you know. But if you are sleeping for 10 hours and you are still feeling tired and sleepy, um, you know, and all of those type of things during the day, then that is something that we just need to kind of look into because, quality of sleep sometimes is more important than the quantity. Mm-hmm. You might not be getting the quality of sleep. So your body is trying to get the quantity to get the quality, but it's still not getting the quality. Yeah. So, you know, um, six hours of good quality sleep, is, it trumps, you know, 10 hours of, of broken fractured sleep. Yeah. yeah that's, so, a, that's a really good point. Okay. So I have a question um, that I'm thinking about in my life. And I'm sure so many other people also do this. Um, so, you know, with the rise of like the Apple watch and like the Fitbit and the smartwatch. So I, and, and before, you know, the Apple watch was a thing, I had an app on my phone and you would, you know, turn it on at night and put it on your bed. And I think it would monitor either your breath or your movement, Um, But now with, you know, all these smartwatches, I have the app, the same app, but it's on my smartwatch. So then I wear my watch to bed and it kind of monitors, you know, and then I go on the app in the morning and it says, oh, you had, you know, 86% of a good night's sleep and you woke up at this time. So I'm curious what your take is on technology and the sleep industry and do these apps and the watches and whatnot actually have accurate data that can help you or is it just kind of a gimmick okay um this is a very interesting question and i actually get it a lot so the problem with these things are they are actually not very accurate 
So, I mean, if you just look at how accurate it actually is with tracking your steps. So right now I've, I've got one, I've got a Samsung watch, um, but right now while I'm talking and because I'm a very visual busy person, it is probably tracking that I am stepping, right? Because my hands are up in the air and I'm going on. Um, also I've got stairs in my house. And at the end of the day, it only tells me that I climbed about one flight of stairs, but I went up and down those stairs like at least 10 times. So how accurate is it actually really? If it can't pick up the steps like that, or it's picking up steps where you're not actually stepping, how accurate is it really within your sleep? So um, the, the very, very, the, the most accurate kind of device is the Aura Ring, but even that has got some questionable, you know, data to it. So the other problem with these things, so if you are a person that you don't really have any sleep issues uh, and it's just something that you find interesting, then go ahead. But if you find yourself to a point where you're obsessing or, you know, where you cannot go one night without wearing it because you can't know, you can't not know how you slept, that type of thing, that can be, you know, I would say it's not really the ideal situation because then we are, it, it can cause that anxiety around it because, oh my goodness, it says now I've got 67% of my sleep. So what, you know, and it can cause some obsession or some stress or anxiety or worries. And really, um, although data can be important, I re when I work with my clients, one of the questions I ask on a sleep log they need to fill, fill in is, how are you feeling? Because I think that is the most, I would say the most accurate on how you sleep is how are you feeling this morning? Do you feel refreshed? Do you feel fine? Do you feel like you slept well? If so, then no amount of data <laughs> can really, you know, pinpoint on if, if, if your watch said 87%, but you're still tired, then, you know, there, there's a question. But if it says 50% and you're feeling fine and you're refreshed and you slept well, so it, there is, it's very questionable. I do not think that it is very accurate. So if it's just for interest sake, then go ahead, you know. Um, but if you actually find yourself that it's causing you anxiety or stress, then I would definitely say, leave it on the counter, leave it on charge during the night. <laughs> Interesting, okay. Yeah, I'm sure you get that question a lot with the rise of all of these, you know, gadgets. Yeah. So that's, that's yeah. really good to know. That's just something I was thinking as you were speaking. Um, okay, so what are some of the top tips that you have to start improving your sleep? Okay, so firstly, this can also be divided into. So if you do find yourself that you have real sleep struggles uh, and you think that there might be, it might not be to a normal extent, then please do seek some professional help. So, but the advice that I'm going to give you is just for everyday people that might need some habits changed, you know, things like that. So some of the first things that we can do, um, if you look on Google and the internet and all of these type of things, they will talk a lot about your bedtime routine. And yes, the bedtime routine is important, but I also like to bring in a morning routine because the morning routine, the first, I would say half an hour after you've woken up is important because it sets your mood for the day. And if you go into the day in a negative mood, chances are tonight you are going to kind of go to bed with that same mood and it can impact and influence your sleep. 
So I normally say within the first half an hour, don't pick up your phone. Because what happens is the moment that you reach for your phone, first thing we open our eyes, and this is something that many, many people do, is we open our eyes and we reach for the phone. And we go onto the news or we go onto social media or we check out you know, our emails or whatever it is. And you have this tsunami of information flooding you. And it's not necessarily always the best information. It's, you know, especially in the times that we live in today, right? With, with COVID going on and is there a lockdown? Is there not a lockdown? What's going to happen? You know, what, what are the numbers saying? Um, and that is the mood that you are setting for your day. And what you are also doing is subconsciously, you are telling your brain that waking up is a negative thing which in turn also means that sleeping is a negative thing because in order to wake up, I need to sleep. And if you do this over and over and over again, um, then your brain will start to really, our subconscious is a magical thing. It will start to really link waking up with a negative part. Um, and that is not what you want. You don't want to connect any negativity around sleep. So um, what I personally really love to do is I get up, um, I go brush my teeth and I do two minutes of mindfulness. So I like to brush my teeth before that because I stand by the window and I am just mindful about what I am feeling, the sensation in my mouth, what is the weather doing? What am I feeling under my feet? If two minutes is too long for you to, to start with, try 30 seconds, you know? Um, so that is the way that I really like to start my day in a very calm, peaceful way because then I know that for the next 40 minutes, I have to get my children out of the house and I need to do the lunches and I need to make sure that they have the same socks on and all of those type of things. Um, and if I don't take those two minutes for myself in the morning, I can promise you the rest of the morning can be a little chaotic. And that is the mood that I'm setting for my day. So really the first half an hour is important. Also try and get natural sunlight. Um, even if it's raining or overcast, just go outside without sunglasses and get natural sunlight because this will really help your circadian rhythm um, to kind of just click in with where in the day we are and, you know, to start producing the correct hormones that hopefully will have that melatonin, which is our sleepy hormone, ready to go at night. Um, so morning is very important. The first half an hour to an hour of your morning is important. Um, also, you know, just the normal sleep hygiene tips, you know, try and stay off of the, the phones and the screens and those type of things for an hour before bed. Um, <clears throat> it is real because you need melatonin in your body to fall asleep. And these screens really, so now I know that a lot of people I think this is also now a question that might come up and is they wear these blue screen protector glasses and those type of things. But overall, it's not just about the screens. It's about the stimulation that you and information you are consuming just before bed as well. It is better to really just have that, even if you can start with half an hour. If you can start with half an hour before bed, really just take it and make it sacred and just spend their time and getting ready for sleep. So sleep is not an on and off switch. You can't just switch it on and off. It's more like a dimmer switch where you need to prepare. Um, you know, you just don't go to sleep. It's a journey. And the better you can help your body prepare for that journey, the better chances that you will have that good quality and or quantity sleep. Mm. Um, so that's just, just kind of like, I would say the more 
not so common things that people will talk about. So we all know about don't drink coffee late at night and try and avoid the alcohol and your room should be dark and kind of cool. So cave-like, that's the very best that you can kind of do. The reason why people say have a cool room um, is because when our body starts to get ready for sleep and prepares for sleep, your core body temperature actually drops. So if you have a cool room, that will help the core body, it will help it to drop, which will in turn help, um, you know, the whole process of sleep too. too. So if your room or your bedding or whatever is too hot, and this is one of the things that come in with menopause, right? When they have hot flushes and they can't sleep because it's the hot flushes, um, you know, because their core body temperature is so high and everything is sending the wrong messages through through the brain. So, um, but yeah, I think that is more so the, the the, the not so common or the uncommon parts of, you know, just the good start of thinking about, think about what are you feeding your brain right after you wake up and right before bed, because those things make a difference. It can make a massive difference. Just take half an hour after waking up and half an hour before bedtime and make it kind of a sacred time. And that by itself can already make a big, big difference and natural sunlight throughout different intervals in the day hmm. it's a good wow. starting point yeah <laughs> yeah that's a lot of really good tips especially um if you don't get you know the greatest night's sleep every night and i think those are really great actionable tips that are easy to put into play so i love those so before we let people know where they can find you online if they're interested in chatting with you or learning more from you is there anything else that you want to include that you think is important for listeners to know wow there's there's so much i can talk about sleep like for for days (laughs) not for nights for days (laughs) um really i think it's important to really just take a step back and really see and think about and be honest with yourself be kind with yourself as well that's also a very important part but just be honest and think about am i prioritizing my sleep because sleep affects and gets affected by every aspect of your life um and it is very important are you prioritizing it in the sense of is it important enough or is you know is netflix more important than your sleep so although it is important for us to have time for ourselves especially when we are busy a lot um but are you prioritizing your sleep and if you are not really do i promise you that it will pay off it will you know your health your wellness all of that will will thank you at the end of the day if you are prioritizing your sleep um don't overthink it too much so a lot of people kind of especially parents we we kind of find ourselves thinking about sleep so much um don't overthink it too much if you feel fine you are probably getting enough sleep all right um if you feel that you are not walking around being extremely sleep deprived and sleepy and all of those type of things you are probably okay um But if you find yourself procrastinating and putting sleep second in your life, it is important. Do not do that. (laughs) So, you know, find the time and be honest and be kind and really say, you know, just, just do it, just do it. And you will see the difference. Do it for two weeks. Give yourself just a two week time where you say, I'm going to prioritize my sleep for two weeks and see what happens. And if you feel better, 
it might be time to just, you know, not put that on the back seat anymore and bring it. Because I promise you, sleep will help you be, it will help you smash your business. It will help you be more productive during the day. You will, it will help you build better relationships because you will not be so irritable and so quick to explode. And it will help you make better decisions and concentration and clarity and all of those things that come with it. So really do prioritize your sleep. And if you find yourself in a situation where you don't know how or you're stuck or you are really struggling, find some help. Reach out because there are some of us that this is our life. This is our passion. And, you know, we would love to actually just help you to to get there and obtain the level of sleep and wellness that you deserve. So on that note, if somebody is interested in getting better sleep or learning more about you and what it is that you do, how can they get in touch with you online? All right. So I am on Instagram, although my Facebook group is my fave because I've kind of feel like I'm in there live and I'm chatting and I'm, you know, really people can post and I can answer the questions and all of those type of things. Um, It is sleep well, which is one word. And then synergy. So sleep well synergy. Um, so that is my kind of over the interwebs, my websites, my um, my handles and my links and my groups and all of this. So my Facebook group is Sleep Well Synergy Tribe, and then the rest is just Sleep Well Synergy. Okay, so awesome. I would love and then you to come join my group. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely going to join um, and probably creep through some of the questions as well, see what people have been asking. I'm sure at least some of them will be prevalent to me and my sleep. So all of those links that she mentioned are down below if you do want to check Janita out online. Janita, thank you so much for being on this podcast and for informing everybody and giving us so many good actionable tips about getting better sleep, which in turn will affect, you know, your personal life, your business, your family life, everything. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge here today. Thank you for having me, Nicole. It was an enormous pleasure to be here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Janita. So this has been another episode of Business Mindset in Minutes. If you are interested in learning more from Janita, check all of the links below. They will be dropped down below for easy access for you. And we will be back next week with a brand new episode of Business Mindset in Minutes.